None of this is set in stone. There is plenty of room for you to play. You can do webinars in lots of different ways. There's no reason to fit this cookie cutter mold. However, when you're first starting out, I do find that it is easiest to start out by fitting things into a framework and basing things off of what is already working for other people. And you kind of learn the rules first and then you are able to break them in the future. We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. We want to be in control of our own schedule, income, and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. Last week, I shared with you all about what an incredible sales tool webinars are and how you can be really authentic on your webinars and actually have your webinars create a really good relationship with your audience and strengthen your relationship with your audience, how you can be true to yourself and true to your values, and you don't have to be sleazy or salesy in your webinars, but you can still use them as a really effective sales tool. And we also talked about the steps by-step process for you to follow to set up and run your first or your next webinar. If you haven't already listened to that episode, I would recommend going back and doing so because a lot of what we're going to talk about today is going to be built on that foundation. And also that's just important information for you to have if you are thinking about using webinars in your business as part of your sales systems. So today what we are going to be talking about is first of all, your webinar content. What exactly should you say in your webinars? What should you teach? How can you organize the information that you're teaching? And especially how can you wrap your webinar up with an effective sales pitch that will actually convert a large percentage of your attendees into buyers? The second thing we are going to focus on is some webinar success tips so that you can avoid some common beginner's mistakes and start seeing success from your very first webinar. So let's get on into the meat of this episode and talk about your webinar content. So most webinars are going to be about 60 minutes long. However, I want to start this out by just saying that this kind of framework that I'm going to be sharing in this episode, starting with that very first fact of the standard webinar is being 60 minutes long. None of this is set in stone. There is plenty of room for you to play. You can do webinars in lots of different ways. There's no reason to fit this cookie cutter mold. However, when you're first starting out, I do find that it is easiest to start out by fitting things into a framework and basing things off of what is already working for other people. And you kind of learn the rules first and then you are able to break them in the future. So you don't have to do it that way, but that would be my recommendation. So with that in mind, let's get into the framework for webinar content. And I also want to mention to everyone who is listening to the podcast right now that we do have a worksheet that goes along with this episode that's available inside Startup Society that just breaks this all down so that you can write out your webinar content on our worksheet. And it just makes the whole process really simple. You can learn more about Startup Society and the program at startupsociety.com. You can find out all about membership 
membership and how to join and how to get access to that worksheet along with the rest of our framework for building an online business. With that being said, let's get started with the first part of your webinar, which is the introduction. Now, people do this in lots of different ways. Some people start out their webinars with a very long introduction of themselves. They might talk about themselves and their story for 20 or 30 minutes even. But personally, I find that that doesn't really align with my values and my goal for the webinar, which is to provide a lot of value to my attendees, the people who are actually watching the webinar. I don't want it to be so self-focused. Now, telling your story, sharing your story, and sharing what you've gone through, and your story arc, and how you've learned what you're going to share in the webinar, it does serve a useful a useful purpose in your webinar presentation because it can help people to understand that you understand where they are and the problem that they're facing so that they trust your advice. But I like to get to the meat of the content a little bit sooner and then just weave pieces of my story and little individual stories about my experience and how I figured out what I'm sharing with them throughout the presentation and even more at the end of the teaching part. So the way I'd recommend that you do your introduction for your webinar is to first simply welcome people to your webinar, tell them what the webinar is about and thank them for showing up. And then very quickly by slide number two or three, get into a hook. And the hook is what is really going to capture people's attention rather than rambling on about yourself or about what you're going to cover for the first several minutes. Start with a surprising fact or, or a thought-provoking question, something that will really get them thinking from the very beginning, and maybe we'll catch them off guard a little bit and will spark their curiosity. So as I just mentioned, this could be a surprising fact or it could be a thought-provoking question. And then you're going to explain how that ties into what they're going to be learning for this presentation. Once you have presented that hook, then you are going to introduce yourself because while I do prefer to not ramble on about myself for a long time, you do also have to keep in mind that there very well might be people watching your webinar who don't know who you are. So it is important to pause for a moment, share your name, say hi, nice to meet you, share a few facts about you, especially as it pertains to the webinar topic itself before you get into the webinar content, just so that people know that they can trust you and why they should trust you. The second part of your webinar is where you are going to set expectations. Now, this is a very short part of the webinar, but it is also very important. So during this, you're mostly going to cover the different points that you're going to be sharing later on. So you're going to be going through the agenda for the day, point number one, point number two, point number three, so that people know what to expect. It's going to help people to stick around for longer because they will understand the structure of the presentation presentation and where this is all going. It's also going to intrigue them and spark their interest in some of the topics you'll be talking about later on. And it's also a good point to mention that at the end of the presentation, you will be sharing the opportunity to join your program or giving a demonstration of your new product or something like that, just so that it doesn't take people off guard and you can start to create some positive anticipation that that is going to be coming up. The third part of your webinar is where you'll actually get into the teaching. So this is the meat of the webinar. This is why people showed up and 
here you want to make sure that you are providing the very most value that you possibly can. Keep in mind, though, that the most value does not mean necessarily the most content. It's better to share a shorter amount of content, a smaller amount of content that is more impactful, <laughs> that is more helpful, more surprising, more interesting, more new, something that will really blow your participants' minds here than it is to share a huge quantity of content. I've made that mistake far too many times where I just tried to cram so much into the webinar so that that I would ensure that it would be as valuable as possible. But what I have come to realize at this point is that it's better to share less, but have it be higher quality. So in this teaching content section, I would recommend that you structure this by actually going through your signature method. Whatever the method that your product uses to get results for your customers is, that is the structure, the content that you wanna be sharing in this teaching section. So what do I mean by that? Well, for example, let's say, well, let me just use my, my YouTube related webinar here because that's the webinar I was working on the most recently and I think it provides a lot of good examples. So we have a certain process that we teach people inside Creator Fast Track and it's called the Fast Track Method and it's a method for growing a YouTube channel to 1,000 subscribers and getting it monetized in just three months. So I wanted to teach them that three phase process on the webinar. So that's exactly what I do. I teach them phase one, I teach them phase two, and I teach them phase three. Now, what this does is two things. First of all, it teaches them something that is really valuable. It teaches them the three-step process they can follow to get this result. But of course, I cannot teach them all the details, all the nuances of the method in a one hour presentation, especially since only about 30 to 40 minutes of that one hour presentation is me actually teaching. The entire course, Creator Fast Track, the program, it has about 50 video lessons in it. Most of them are 10, 15, sometimes 20 minutes long. So it's several hours of content, far more than I could fit into that 30 to 40 minute presentation. So there is still a lot left for me to sell and a lot of value left for me to give. But by teaching the three step method, I am not only giving the viewers this beginning to ending uh, process for them to follow so that they can really see how to get the result that they're looking for, which is so helpful for them just to see that entire process. But I'm also really sparking their interest in the Creator Fast Track program because now that they see how it works, now they believe that it does work. They understand how it works and they believe that it does work. So this makes them a lot more interested in signing up for the program and working through the method along with me and my team. So the other thing about this is that it makes your content very easy to plan out because you already know how your product works. And so if you can just teach to your participants how the product works without talking much about the product at all, you're teaching them how they can follow the same process to get similar results, then it just really makes it a lot easier for you to know what to talk about. Now, the other thing that I'd recommend that you weave into this teaching content is some common mistakes that people make. Now, you can start out with these mistakes. You can say, before we get into point number one, I wanna briefly talk about three mistakes that I see most people make when they're trying to X, Y, Z. Or you can pair one mistake with each teaching point. This is one of my favorite ways to do it. 
So for example, I might say, okay, step one is such and such. And then after I teach step one, then I say, okay, now before moving on to step two, I wanna share with you a really common mistake that people make that relates to step one. And that way, I don't feel like I'm having to force them to wait after I get through all the mistakes before I actually get to the meat of the teaching content. And I also don't have to worry that after I go through all the teaching content and then I wanna talk about the mistakes that I lose people because they feel like the webinar is essentially over. So that's why I like to mix it in that way, but you certainly can cover the mistakes first or cover the mistakes after the teaching content as well. Those mistakes are really key though, because not only is it a place for you to give some more value and help people to avoid some common mistakes, but it also is a great place for you to correct some misconceptions that they might have or some myths that they might believe about what it truly takes to get the results that they want. So for example, with YouTube, something that a lot of people believe is that it's going to take them a year or more to get monetized on YouTube. So I present that as a common myth that a lot of people believe. A lot of people believe it's gonna take you a year to get monetized, but here's why that is wrong, and here's why that is going to make it harder for you to get monetized. So you're able to correct those misconceptions that people might believe that might make them less interested in buying your product. So for example, with YouTube, if people believe it's going to take them a year to get monetized, then they won't believe that Creator Fast Track can possibly work because Creator Fast Track says that they can get monetized in three months, but they're not gonna believe that's possible. So I need to, in the webinar, talk to them about why a year is way too long to get monetized and how you can get monetized in three months and why setting that as your goal is so important for your long-term success. So I'm sure that with your specific product, in your specific industry, there are quite a few different myths that people believe, misconceptions that they have, mistakes that they make that causes them to not get the results that they want. And you would love to see people not make those mistakes. And if you can convince people that they don't have to make those mistakes or that there is a better way, they'll be a lot more interested in buying your product. Okay, so let's move on now to the fourth and final main section of your webinar, which is the sales pitch. Now the sales pitch is quite multifaceted. It has several different components. I'm going to touch on six that I believe are the most essential. You certainly don't have to have all of these six, but I would say that these are kind of the basics. And then once we get through these, I'm also going to share with you three other components that you can add into your webinar that are optional, but some people like to add them in. They can produce better results, but they can also make your webinar longer, which isn't always ideal. So for now, let's get into the pitch. So the first part of the pitch is the permission. You need to ask permission to sell your product. Now doing this, asking permission, is going to make you feel a lot more comfortable as you get into the pitch so that you know that people are actually interested in hearing about the product. And it's also going to make your participants a lot more receptive to what you have to say about the product and a lot more interested in potentially buying. Now this can be done really simply. It can just be one slide in your presentation. 
And basically, you're just going to say, you know, I have a lot more to share with you, but our time is just about up. Would you be interested in hearing about how you can learn more about how to X, Y, Z? And maybe you've mentioned your product or your program a few times throughout the workshop. And so you could ask them, you know, I mentioned Creator Fast Track to you earlier on. Are you interested in learning any more about that? And then chat with them a little bit while you wait for a moment for them to actually answer in the chat. Talk to them about what they learned and what you still have left to teach them that you'd love to teach them in Creator Fast Track. And then when you start to see some yeses coming in the chat, then you can say, you know, I see there's a lot of interest here. So let's keep going and I'll share with you about Creator Fast Track and how you could join to learn more about how to grow your YouTube channel or something like that. A lot of the time I like to use some sort of natural excuse for why we have to wrap it up. So I'll say something like, you know, my baby's about to wake up from her nap. So we have to wrap this up pretty soon. And every single time that I'm saying something like that, I always try to make sure that that is honest and that that is natural. So when I say that, almost always my baby is actually about to wake up from her nap. And I feel like that brings a lot of authenticity. Obviously, it helps me be true to my values. And it comes across in the webinar. And I think that that is so important. Once you've asked permission, the next part of your pitch, and keep in mind, you're not selling anything yet. But the next part is the reason or the problem. Why did you create this product? You created it for some reason and probably because you saw some sort of problem. Maybe you were facing some sort of problem yourself or maybe you saw some sort of problem in the marketplace. Maybe you knew some people who were facing this problem. Maybe you saw your customers or your audience struggling with something, but there was some reason why you decided to create it. Now here, I would not want to focus this part of the pitch on you and so much of the why you created it so much as the the why. What was the big problem you saw? What was so wrong with that? You know, what was the problem that other people were facing that you wanted to solve and really describing the problem in detail and why there needed to be a new product to solve this problem. Again, this section doesn't have to be long. It's probably going to be longer than one slide, but one, two, three, or four slides really can be plenty for this part. The next part of the pitch is the solution. So this is where you finally present your product as the solution to that problem. So in Creator Fast Track, I talk about how there wasn't a single program on the market that really taught people how to get their channels monetized. Yet that was the number one goal of most new YouTubers. And this was something that had to change because people needed to be taught how to reach that important milestone. So I created Creator Fast Track. And then I talked to them about Creator Fast Track and what it is and how it works. And I presented as the solution. So once you've explained your product as the solution, then the next part of the pitch is the stack. Now, technically, I would say this part is optional because sometimes you just want to sell the one thing that you're specifically selling. But most of the time on webinars to create the greatest conversion rate possible, you want to make it a package deal. You want to include a few components together so that you can make it a high value for the price that you are asking. So you might have some bonuses that you include. You might have some additional tools that you include, and you're going to explain them one at a time. And as you explain each one, you're going to add it to the value stack. So you're going to be showing a list of all the things that are included. Again, 
You don't necessarily have to do this and there are certainly situations in which you wouldn't want to, but this is kind of your standard webinar formula and the webinar formula that I use to create really significant results. In fact, our most recent live webinar that we did converted at about 27%, which was an insane conversion rate that honestly, I didn't even believe at first, but the more we looked at the numbers, the more we realized, nope, that was in fact exactly what happened. And I used a formula for the webinar, a framework for the webinar that is very similar to what I'm sharing with you today. So a key part of that is certainly having this value stack. Then the fifth part of your pitch is going to be the sale. So this is where you finally actually ask people for the sale. Now there are different questions that you could pose here, asking people how much the result would be worth to them. You'll definitely wanna come back to the benefit. So you've just talked a lot about the features and all the little things that they're going to get that's included, but here, it's good to ask them to buy and talk to them about, if you really want this big result, then I would love to work with you, or then this is the product for you. Talk to them again about how it creates that result. Ask for the sale again. When you're asking for the sale, you'll want to say something similar to, if you're ready to join Creator Fast Track right now, then head to gillianperkins.com slash creator dash fast dash track. Or you could instruct them to click the button in the chat or click the button to the side of the live video, something like that. Tell them exactly how to join, explain to them the processes that they'll follow. For example, after you click the button, you'll be taken to this registration page. You can fill out the registration form and then you'll receive an email within just a couple minutes welcoming you to the program and with instructions for how to access the program. So you really wanna to explain to them exactly how they're going to join, what that's going to look like so that they know what to expect. The episode you're currently listening to was originally offered as a live stream inside Startup Society, our training program for digital entrepreneurs. Each week in the program, Gillian teaches a live workshop for startup members, including a teaching segment, like what you're listening to right now, a tutorial segment that demonstrates how to take action on the lesson, and an open Q&A period where Gillian and guest experts work directly with each member. Members also get access to Startup Society's library of business training courses, monthly co-working sessions, and other events, and our private community forum. If you're looking for affordable business training, mentorship, and accountability, then visit startupsociety.com forward slash podcast to learn more about the program and apply to join. Now here's Gillian with the rest of today's episode. The final part of your pitch is the Q&A. Now, technically this part also is optional. However, I do find that in this kind of conventional webinar framework, it serves a really important purpose. So after you've asked for the sale, you can add a countdown timer to your webinar slides. And the countdown timer helps to give people a limited amount of time to make the choice while you're live. And this can help people to give people a little bit of space to make that decision in rather than if you just end the webinar immediately, people may not have even had enough time to think about it and then the webinar is over and then they forget about it promptly. However, if you give them a little bit of space, perhaps 15 minutes to think about it live, a significant number of people will in fact decide to purchase your product. So you want to give them that space, but what are you going to do while they are 
in that space. If you're not doing anything, then they're going to be quite likely to leave. But if there's something going on, then they're much more likely to stay and possibly decide to join. And the best thing I've found to do in that space is to answer questions. Because first of all, you can mentioned this several times throughout the webinar earlier on. Whenever someone has a question, you could read it out. You could say, oh, that's a great question. We'll get to that at the end of the Q&A. And that will give people a reason to stick around the end. And then once you get to the Q&A, you can use it as a time to provide some additional value to your attendees by answering their questions, giving them some personal feedback. And also it's another time for you to answer some common questions about the program or the product. And in doing so, in answering these questions, you can continue to coach the sale. So for example, with Creator Fast Track, people ask, can I start later? Do I have to start right now? Or could I start next month because I'm about to move across the country? And of course you could just say, oh no, you can start later, that's fine. But you could use this opportunity as an, well, you could use this question as an opportunity to coach the sale. You can say, oh no, that's fine. You can start next month because you're going to have lifetime access to the program. So you can start tomorrow, you can start next week, you can start next month. You can start whenever is the right time for you. We wanna make sure you start at the right time so that you have enough time to devote to the program and the process. Or as another example, sometimes people ask something like, are there going to be additional payments? Okay. And of course you could just say no, one payment, but you can also emphasize that you can say, oh no, you're just going to make this one payment. And then you are going to immediately get access to the entire program and lifetime access. You're never going to have to pay another penny, but you'll have access to the whole thing. So just as a few examples, but there are lots of questions that people ask that give you an insight into their fears or concerns about joining, about purchasing, and you can answer those questions in a way that really puts their mind at ease and helps to resolve those problems that they see with joining and remove some of the obstacles that are standing in their way that are stopping them from wanting to purchase your product. Okay, so that brings us to the end of the webinar framework for your content. I'll just recap that real quick. You start out with your introduction, which will include a welcome and then a hook and then an introduction of yourself. Then you're going to set expectations. Part number three is the teaching content. This is probably going to comprise somewhere between 50% and two thirds of your webinars time. And then the last 25 to 30% of your webinar will be the pitch in which you ask for permission to pitch. Then you share the reason or problem that prompted you to create the product. You present the product as the solution. Then you offer the value stack. Then you ask for the sale. And finally, you wrap things up with a Q&A session. Okay, so I also wanted to share with you three things that you can add into your webinar should you so choose. And I'll explain about each of them, why you may want to or may not want to. The main reason to not add any of these things is just because of time. And so it kind of depends on how long the rest of your presentation is. If the rest of your presentation is fairly short, you might be able to add these things in, but if it's already pushing it on the time, then it's better to just leave these things out. However, they each, you know, they serve their purpose. So the first one is the free gift. So during the introductory section of your webinar, especially when you're setting those expectations or even before that, possibly at the very, very beginning, you can mention that for everyone who sticks around to the end, you're going to be sharing a free gift. Now, sometimes people say this and then the free gift is the bonuses that people can get 
if they decide to purchase the product. I personally don't like to do that at all because I find that that is a bit of a bait and a switch because you said it was free, but in fact, they can only get that thing if they buy. So what I like to do instead is have it be a truly free gift that at the end of the webinar, I share the link for where they can go to get that free gift. This might be some sort of PDF or a bonus video training or something like that. It's a good way to get more people to stick around till the end. And it also can create a bit of reciprocity, meaning that because you're giving more, people are more interested in reciprocating by purchasing the product. It's a pretty common sales tactic. The second optional component you can add in is a more in-depth origin story. So you can share more about yourself, your story, what led you to create the product. A lot of people like to do this at the beginning of their webinars. As I mentioned earlier on, I tend to not do this because I find that it makes the introduction just way too long and people feel like you're never going to get to the value, the meat of it, and that can make it feel a little bit like a bait and a switch. So I like to include origin story content throughout the teaching section and even after the teaching section as I get into the pitch and I'm sharing about what I created and why. However, more origin story is certainly something you can add in that can potentially be valuable. And then the third optional component you can add into your webinar is a fast action bonus. And this is something I've done many times. And so basically when you're going through your value stack at the end of your webinar, when you're pitching and you are lining up all of these bonuses that are being included for free, then you can throw in another bonus or three and they can be bonuses that are only available to people who purchase during the live webinar. If people purchase after the live webinar, then they can still get everything else, but they can to get those fast action bonuses. And this can be a great way to encourage more people to purchase live during the webinar and to really increase your conversion rate. Now, fun fact, with that webinar I mentioned earlier where I got a 27% conversion rate, I didn't even include a fast action bonus. So I can only imagine that if I had, I may have gotten an even higher conversion rate. So I also wanna say that so that you know that it's certainly possible to get great conversion rates live even if you don't include a fast action bonus. The reason I chose to not include a fast action bonus with that webinar was simply because it certainly makes things more complicated and I wanted to keep things on the simpler side. But like I said, it's something you can do to increase your live conversion rate. Okay, so that brings us to the end of the section of this episode all about what to include in your webinar and how to structure it. Like I said, there's lots of room for variation for playing, but if you've never done a webinar before, unless you have a reason to do something avant-garde, <laughs> I would recommend kind of sticking to this conventional framework. It's already not your most standard framework in the sense that this isn't quite what most people do. Most people spend a long time talking about themselves on webinars and a long time pitching on the end and have a lot of bait and switch going on with their webinars. I find all of that quite uh, distasteful and generally a turnoff. So I don't like to do that in mine. And so this is my, what would you call this? My ethical webinar framework while still playing it pretty much by the books and keeping things fairly conventional. 
So now we're going to get into some webinar success tips. So these are going to be a little bit miscellaneous, but just a collection of different things that I've learned over the past few years of running webinars myself. I've definitely learned a whole lot. When I started running webinars, I was not seeing any success at all, literally not a single sale. And over the past couple of years, I've gotten to the point where now my webinars see conversion rates anywhere between five and 27% with five to 10% being really, really common. And that's so much higher than I used to see. So let's get into these tips. The first tip is to create webinar content that is aligned with your product. So what I mean by that is that when you're choosing the topic of your webinar, you wanna make sure that the topic is very similar to the outcome that people would get from your product. And that way you'll make sure that you have exactly the right people at your webinar, people who are really interested in potentially buying your product because you know that they are already interested in that outcome. It also makes it really easy for you to choose your webinar topic. My next tip is about webinar slides. A lot of people ask, how many webinar slides should I have? Well, of course, this depends somewhat on how long your presentation is, but my rule of thumb is one to two slides per minute of your presentation. So if you're giving a 60 minute webinar, then you'll want to have between 60 and 120 slides. If you have 120, I find that just by default, your webinar is going to end up being longer than 60 minutes. It is very difficult to go through more than two slides per minute. Now you might think 60 to 120 slides is a lot, and it is, it definitely is. But if you have less than about 60 slides, then you're going to be clicking through your slides pretty slowly, and that can make the webinar just a little bit more boring and hurt your retention. But that doesn't mean that you need to be on the high end of that. I tend to try to cram too much into my webinars, and so I normally will have about two slides per minute, and I always feel that I have to rush things a little bit, and that I normally go over time, and so I I would recommend actually being on the lower end of that and having more like uh, one slide per minute of how long you want your presentation to be. Even if you do that though, you will still have to click through the slides in a way that feels fairly quick. My next tip is to practice and or script your webinar. So you don't necessarily have to do both. I would recommend starting by practicing your webinar. So go through your slides and present the entire webinar to nobody. Yes, it will take you an hour of your time, but I promise it will be well worth it. You're going to find typos on your slides. You're going to find parts of your webinar you want to rework. And of course, you're going to polish your presentation and figure out what you actually want to say. Your final version of your webinar that you present publicly is going to be much more professional, much more polished, and just work so much better if you do this. So first give a practice presentation, and then you can decide whether or not you want to script it. Here's a little story about my most recent experience. And keep in mind, this is after having taught a few dozen webinars over the past couple of years. So when we were doing our most recent Creator Fast Track launch, and we did a few webinars for that, we actually had four webinars scheduled out to do during this launch. And of course, I wrote the webinar up, and then I, I believe I did do a practice presentation, and it went pretty all right. So I just went forward with doing these webinars. And honestly, I was not presenting very well. I was messing up kind of more and more with each presentation. So for the last one, I really wanted to get a good, clean recording of it. And so I decided to script the entire thing. And so I sat down and I just started writing. It took me a couple hours to write the entire script, probably 
probably about three hours to write the one hour webinar script. But I'm so thankful that I did that because that last webinar that I did where I read the script, that webinar was the webinar that had the 27% conversion rate. And I attribute that largely to saying just the right things. Now, of course, I still didn't say the perfect things. I just whipped up that script. I hadn't even put that much time into the specific words that I was going to say. But I was able to be a lot more intentional because as I wrote, of course, I would write something and then I'd be like, oh, that's not quite what I want to say. So I'd, you know, I'd backspace and try a different way. And so I was able to just, yes, be more intentional about what I was going to say. And of course, it made presenting the webinar itself also easier because I didn't have to stress about, oh, no, am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to forget what I'm trying to say? Because I had a script right in front of me. And that kind of leads me on to the next thing, which is, should you have your video on during a webinar? Is it just slides or can people see your face? So I've done a lot of webinars both ways. However, I've done more of my webinars with my video on because I had an idea in my head that if people could see me, they would see I was a real person and they would be more likely to buy. However, I was also keenly aware of the fact that most of the time when I had bought something on a webinar, I had not seen the presenter's face. And I, even if it was someone who I was already familiar with, someone who I already knew online, maybe I'd watched their videos, maybe I had you know, been reading their blog, I'd seen pictures of them. Still, when I got on their webinar, I had a bit of that, that experience that I often have when I listen to a podcast, which was that I perceived them to be such an authority because I didn't see them as a human with all their flaws, but I saw them as this voice from the sky that was telling me how it was. Now, I'm sure that not everyone feels that way, but I've also heard from others that at least some other people feel similarly to myself, that for some reason, more authority seems to come from a voice that doesn't have a face attached to it. Now, I've heard other people say that they prefer watching webinars or buying from webinars where they see the person's face and they feel that connection with them. But in my experience, not only do the webinars where I haven't shown my face convert at higher rates, but they're also much easier for me to do because they don't have to stress about hair and makeup and all of that beforehand. And I also can read my script because I don't have to look at the camera. And I also don't have to worry about looking at the camera the whole time, making eye contact with the lens and not making weird faces and all that sort of thing. So I find it overall just much easier and much less stressful to just talk and not have my camera on. However, with that said, you know, there are people who prefer both ways. And I wouldn't say that my webinars where I didn't have my video on always performed way better. Just on average, they've performed better. Next tip is about webinar software. And I don't actually have a tip here, just if you have questions about webinar software, what webinar software to use, what I recommend, go back to last week's episode, part one of the Beginner's Guide to Webinars, because I go into depth on that then. My next tip is probably a little bit surprising, but it's actually to not invite people to your webinar too far in advance. I recommend inviting people no more than one week in advance because people are likely to have things come up in their schedule or forget about the event entirely if you invite them too far in advance. So I like to make the first invitation five to seven days before the webinar and then I'll invite people a few more times in the days preceding the webinar. 
Next, I would, just a few things I think you should know, I think you should understand. Only two to 10% of your audience will register for your webinar. So if you have a thousand people on your email list, you can only expect between 20 and 100 people to sign up for your webinar. And I generally find that it's on the lower side of that. However, the larger your audience gets, the lower engagement rate you tend to have. So that might be why I tend to see engagement on the lower end of that and registrants on the lower end of that. If your audience is really small, you might very well see a 10% registration rate, but that's just something to keep in mind. And then the next thing to keep in mind is that only 25 to 40% of the people who register for your webinar are going to show up. So if you did have 100 people register for your webinar, you could only expect 25 to 40 of them to actually show up for the webinar. And again, it tends to be on the lower end of that range not just for me, but really it seems like for everyone. Every once in a while I hear about someone who has something like 70% of their webinar registrants show up for their webinar, but it's normally more like 30%. Another thing I think you should know is just that paid ads are really expensive. So if you are thinking to use something like Facebook ads for your webinar to get people to sign up for it, you might wanna think again, especially if you have an untested product idea, if you've never done this webinar before, if you don't know what your conversion rate is going to be. I talked a lot more about that last week. So again, check out last week's episode if you haven't already. And two more things. One of them is, what should you do if no one shows up for your webinar? I know you might not want to think about that. You might think, oh, that won't happen. But it happened to me the first couple times. And I've heard from lots of other people who that happened to as well. And my best advice is to just go forward with it. Present your webinar anyway, get a good clean recording. It's good practice. Someone might show up part way, but don't write it off as a complete failure because you're still getting the practice and you can only go up from there, right? You can only improve from there. So don't be too discouraged if nobody shows up for your first webinar. Keep working at it, keep learning, and just, yeah, keep looking forward to your next webinar where more people show up. Okay, one more tip, and that is to know your goal for your webinar. Now, you might think, well, obviously my goal is to make sales if you're doing a sales webinar, and that might be your main goal, but I wanna share with you four different goals you might have for your webinar, and really think about which one is your biggest goal. So the first one is, in fact, to convert your leads. You will have some people perhaps on your email list or who are following on social media who are likely interested in your product, but how do you actually ask them to buy? Inviting them to a webinar where you provide a lot of value to them, show them your product, and then asking them to buy is a great way to convert a high number of those leads into buyers. So converting your leads, that's your first potential goal. Another potential goal is to strengthen your relationship with your audience. Maybe you've only been emailing them at this point. Well, if you invite them to a free presentation where you teach them how to do something that they really want to know how to do, that makes your relationship with them a lot more dynamic. It means you're giving them a higher quality of value and more value, and that can really help them to get to know you better and to trust you more and make them more likely to buy your products in the future. Another reason why you might do a webinar is to grow your list. When you are doing a live webinar, that is something that you can promote publicly to get people to sign up for your email list. It's just like a lead magnet or an opt-in offer. You can use your webinar as a lead magnet or an opt-in offer. 
And then fourth, maybe your goal for your webinar is to create an evergreen sales machine. A lot of people do their live webinars just so that they can get a good recording of their webinar so that they can use that recording as an evergreen webinar so that they have somewhere where they can send each new lead that they get to convert a high percentage of those leads without having to one-on-one close each sale without having to close each sale individually so that they can have this automated evergreen sales machine working in the background of their business. All right, so that brings me to the end of all of these tips. Thank you guys so much for joining me for today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed this and are enjoying the entire series that we are doing right now on launching on the podcast. If you haven't listened to all of these episodes yet, you know, be sure to scroll back in your podcast feed just a little bit and find the rest of these episodes because we have had some really good ones. And finally, before we wrap this up, I just wanted to remind you that if you want to get the workbook, the worksheets that go along with today's episode, so that you can fill them out to plan your high converting webinar, then be sure to head to startupsociety.com. Again, that's startupsociety.com. All all one word, no, no spaces, no dashes, nothing like that. We will include a link to that in the show notes. As a Startup Society member, you will get access to those worksheets as well as our Startup Success Framework for building your own profitable online business. We would love to have you as a member to learn more and to sign up now you can head to startupsociety.com. All right. Well, that is everything for today. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If you found this episode helpful and you would like to participate live in future recording sessions, then be sure to visit startupsociety.com podcast to learn more about all the benefits of membership and apply to join. And finally, it would be a big help if you left Work Less, Earn More, a review on Apple Podcasts. Not only will this help us reach more people, but it's also going to give you the chance to potentially win a 12-month membership to Startup Society. All you need to do to enter is post your review on Apple Podcasts, then email a screenshot to contact at gillianperkins.com. Thanks again so much for listening. Now let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins, and until next week, stay focused and take action. We'll be right back.